you're not going to create a successful podcast, YouTube channel, thought leadership platform in a month, in two months, maybe even six months. It's going to take years to grow an audience. Real quick, before the episode, I want to give you a gift of 25% off. And that gift actually is from TransUnion Smart Move. Go to tenantscreening.com, create a free account, enter the code FAIRLESS at checkout for 25% off your next screening. Because as landlords, we tend to be most concerned with getting paid on time. You might also know that hundreds of thousands of landlords have to deal with the headaches of evicting tenants each year. Evicting a tenant can be painful, costing as much as $10,000 in court costs and legal fees, and take as long as four weeks to complete. What if there's a trusted way to help prevent the headaches of dealing with evicting a tenant? Make the smart move right from the start. Smart Move's online tenant screening solution can help you quickly understand if you're getting a reliable tenant, which will help you avoid potential problems such as non-payment and evictions. For a limited time, listeners of this podcast are invited to try Smart Move tenant screening for 25% off. Here's how Smart Move can help you find your next great tenant. Make a more informed decision with Smart Move's proprietary credit score built specifically for tenant screening, which predicts evictions 15% better than a typical credit score. Reduce non-payment risk with Smart Move's Income Insights Report, which enables you to analyze the applicant's income within minutes and determine if additional income verification is needed. Get critical information quickly with a full credit report, criminal background, and eviction history report. With over 5 million screenings completed, SmartMove can help you make a better leasing decision for your rental property. If you own a rental property, SmartMove can help you identify the right renter from the start so you can avoid the problems of non-payment or evictions. Don't put yourself at risk. Go to tenantscreening.com, create a free account, enter the code FAIRLESS at checkout for 25% off your next screening. With TransUnion Smart Move, you'll get great reports, great convenience, great tenants. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast where we only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff. We got follow along Friday today, Theo Hicks with us, and we're going to be talking about lessons learned. He did some interviews last week for the show He's me talking about lessons learned and let's go ahead and get right into it, my friend. All right, let's do it. So I've got lessons learned from two interviews. Should be two lessons, might turn to four. We'll see. I usually talk a lot on these. <laughs> Whenever it's my turn to talk about interviews, I realized that the past couple of weeks. So one person I interviewed, Travis Chappelle. He is a direct sales consultant, real estate investor, and uh, he considers himself a professional connector because of his podcast, which is called Build Your Network. It's a top 25 business podcast. So we kind of broke the conversation down into, into two sections. One was talking about his direct sales experience. Other one about the podcast. For direct sales, it was interesting because you know, I can relate because I was in direct sales. I'm a little bit different than his. He was actually doing door-to-door sales. So he was going door knocking, door-to-door selling. I can't remember exactly what he was selling, but something interesting that he mentioned about kind of the skill set that he learned from doing these door-to-door sales was emotional intelligence. So he called it a crash course in EQ. And he talked about one major thing that he learned through his door-to-door selling experience is that when you talk to people, they're not going to actually say out loud what they are thinking, at least not right away. And when they don't do that, you need to learn how to understand what people are saying through non-verbal communication. So their body language, how they're looking at you, where they're looking, things like that. And I was kind of just asking questions. Well, how do you learn how to read people's nonverbal communication? And really the only way to do it is to 
do it <laughs> to actually put in the reps. And so we kind of talked about a metaphor to working out. So let's say I want to become a world-class bench presser. Well, I could read all the books in the world, all the blogs in the world, listen to all the podcasts in the world about how to become a world-class bench press presser. And it's going to help, but I'm not going to become a world-class bench presser until I put in the actual reps in the gym. And same thing for learning how to read people non-verbally, as well as really anything in life. You know, it's important to actually read about non-verbal communication, which I was talking about, but it's even more important that you go out there and put in the reps. And so he would talk to 25 plus people every single day and doing that for years, he learned how to just instantaneously read someone non-verbally, even if they're saying something completely different. This is something that I think I can add my two cents in that will be helpful for best ever listeners, because I consider myself very good at emotional intelligence. It's something that comes naturally to me where I can pick up on things that are subtle nuances whenever I'm speaking to people, if I'm in person or over the phone, probably because the sheer number of conversations I've had, I've interviewed more real estate investors than anyone else in the entire world. But then also it's just a gift that I've had throughout my life. And I went to a conference this past weekend, Michael Blanc's conference. I was speaking at that conference and at conferences, at meetups, typically you're going to have a chance to observe this dynamic where people are talking, one person's more interested in the conversation than the other, or the conversations run its course, but one person doesn't know the conversations run its course and the other person's trying to get out of the conversation, but won't out and out say, okay, hey, you got to bounce. On that related note, Tim Ferriss talks about a way to get out of a conversation and talk to other people by simply saying, hey, I got to run, but are you going to be around for the rest of the conference? Love to continue to meet up with you or or talk to you. That way it doesn't feel like it's an ending. It's just uh, to be continued. So there's one tip for you if you're trying to get out of a conversation or got to go to the bathroom. But are you going to be around the rest of the conference? If so, great. Let's continue to connect. But the tip I have for how to really identify if you're picking up on the cues or not from someone else is to put less emphasis on ourselves when we're talking to people and put more emphasis on the other person. And it sounds kind of obvious, but I don't think a lot of people do that. For example, this past weekend, I was at the conference and I get a decent amount of people coming up to me and talking and I really enjoy it. But then at the end of the conference, whenever Colleen, my wife, and we actually had our daughter, a nine-month-old with us, we were looking to leave. There are a bunch of people who kept coming up. And if the people towards the end of that were picking up on my nonverbal cues, I'm starting to like wipe my face and itch and, and twitch and stuff. They would have identified, hey, I think he's needing to bounce. And I could have used that example, the tip I said earlier, hey, you can be around, but we we're actually leaving for the conference. So I needed to try and end the conversation. Eventually, I kind of just had to interrupt them during their conversation with me and like, hey, I, I really enjoyed getting to know you, but we got to go. So in order to hone this skill set, my opinion, it's simply being more self-aware. And how do we become more self-aware? Well, whenever 
we approach conversations with people, we intentionally, we have to have intention with this, put more emphasis on them than we are ourselves or the stories that we're telling. Even if we're really excited to get some message out or a background about where we came from or a deal that we've got, still check in with them through eye contact, not necessarily asking, hey, how you doing? You enjoying my story? But check in with them with eye contact and just notice, just mentally notice what's their interest level. Because if they're checked out or if they're starting to twitch or sway or maybe look around the room, then you might not have as receptive of an audience. So you'll need to pivot or you'll need to change your approach or you'll need to wrap it up. And that can tie to your bottom line as a business professional because ultimately people remember how things end with you. And there's studies on this. There's a book. I forget the book, but they talk about a doctor who does colonoscopies and they did studies on this. People who get colonoscopies, if you give them an intense amount of pain, like major intense, big time pain during the middle of the colonoscopy, then taper it off towards the end, they're going to have a better perception of the experience than if you give someone a little bit of pain towards the middle, but then just slightly more towards the end because they're going to remember how it ended more painful than it began. And same with conversations, same with deals with your investors, same with anything that you do in business. It's a psychological mechanism, not mechanism, but the psychological trait that most of us have where we'll remember most of our experience about the end, but it's kind of tough to remember during the middle and beginning stages of stuff. It's just how it works. So when you're having a conversation with someone, check in with them because regardless of how much rapport you built up with them from the beginning and the middle, if you're losing them towards the end, then it's going to not be as good of an experience with them. Yeah, that's a lot of great advice. There's one thing to add. I guess another specific thing you can pull from that is if you go to a conference and you want to talk to a speaker, do it at the beginning or the middle of the conference. Don't wait until it's over. Mm, yeah, and, and Tim Ferriss, apparently I'm on a Tim Ferriss kick here on today's episode, <laughs> but Tim Ferriss talks about when you are at a conference, instead of going up to have a conversation with the speaker, go up and give them a handwritten note or something. Oh, yeah. And then they can slip in their pocket and say, hey, I know you're busy. You got a long line. I appreciate what you do. Here's a note for you. Feel free to read it whenever. I hope you enjoy the rest of the conference. That's a way to stand out. Oh, yeah. Your likelihood of having that person follow up with you afterwards is much higher than if you had just approached them and had the conversation with them because it's tough to remember whose background ties to who and who you should follow up with, who you shouldn't. And so give them that handwritten note. Yeah. All right. So the next lesson I learned also from the Travis Chappelle, as I mentioned, he has a top 25 business podcast. And so a natural question would be, well, how the heck do I get a top 25 business podcast or how do I be, create a top podcast? And this is something that we, we already know. We talk about in the podcast a lot, but it's just great to hear it reinforced by someone who actually has a successful podcast. And I know something that me and Joe talked about maybe six months ago, which is instead of thinking about things in terms of months, think of things in terms of decades or at least in years. And that's the advice that Travis gave about creating a podcast. You're not going to create a successful podcast, YouTube channel, thought leadership platform in a month, in two months, maybe even six months. It's going to take years 
to grow an audience. And he was saying that his number one tip for people who want to start a podcast, start a YouTube channel, is to upfront realize that it's a five to 10 year play and not something that's going to be something that you're going to get a million dollars or a million viewers in six months. So it's just kind of reinforcing that. And there's something they said very interesting was take time now to save time later. So invest that two years, three years, five years into creating your podcast. Once the ball's rolling on that, then it's kind of like I'm making a graphical with my finger. It's going to shoot up. It's going to be very slow at first. But then once you get into that point where the ball is rolling, you've built up momentum, the results you get, either viewers or you know, sponsorships, investors, whatever your goal of the podcast is, is going to increase, I guess, the terms exponentially. There, I couldn't think of it. Exponentially, once you've put in the time. But it's not something that's a gradual increase. It's going to be slow at first and then shoot up. So it's really good to hear that be reinforced by someone who's actually got a pretty popular podcast. Yep. I wholeheartedly agree. Sound business advice. One other quick thing about the, the podcast too, that was interesting because a lot of people are probably thinking when they're starting a podcast, well, Joe Fairless is out there making a podcast. So why am I going to make a podcast if he's already there with all these viewers or, you know, Tim Ferriss, you know, Tony Robbins, you name it, whoever has a successful podcast right now, why would I do that? So it's kind of coming down to having the imposter syndrome is what Travis mentioned. And one way to get over that is to want to understand that Tim Ferriss, Joe Fairless, everyone was at the same point you were at, at five, six, 10, whatever years ago. But something else is that if you don't think you have enough knowledge in your mind to do a podcast, which probably isn't true, but if that's kind of a roadblock that you have, then just do an interview-based podcast. So interview the experts instead. So rather than it being your expert advice, it's someone else's expert advice. And then something else that Travis talked about, and we've talked about in the podcast before, by doing that, you become an expert. You become perceived as an expert, but you actually become an expert because you're able to curate your own customized education by interviewing the top people in whatever industry you are in. Absolutely. All right. So the other interview I did that I wanted to talk about was with Logan Freeman. He was on the podcast before. This was a, a skill set Sunday. So second time. He's an ex-NFL player with the Oakland Raiders. He transitioned from the NFL to becoming a real estate investor, developer, and agent. He's was in able Kansas to, City, right? Uh, yep, Kansas City, Missouri. Yeah, I remember our conversation. And a very powerful interview. You mentioned a, a lot of things that are very inspiring just because he went through a pretty big identity crisis, uh, not only with the NFL, but he, he lost his father as well. And one question I asked him was, because you know, everyone at some point in their life goes through a major or a minor identity crisis. Maybe you're going through one right now. And I asked him, if someone's going through that right now, what's the first thing that they need to do in order to take that first step to transitioning into something new? And he said something really interesting. He said, take time to take inventory on what your beliefs, your values, he said limiting beliefs are, and then pick one of them that you think is the thing that's holding you back the most and focused on figuring out how to remove that. So whatever it is, you've probably got a million limiting beliefs or a hundred limiting beliefs, find the one that's the biggest roadblock and then remove that one first. And that's it. An example? He didn't give a particular example. What would be one? So we can just go back to the podcast example about growing a podcast and you thinking that you figure out, okay, well, I want to start a podcast, but my reason why I'm not starting a podcast is because Joe Fairless of the world are already out there and they have all the viewers. So why would I waste my time doing a podcast if 
number one, I don't have the expertise. Plus, so why wouldn't someone just go to Joe? Well, that's probably a huge limiting belief that you have that you can't be a Joe Fairless or you can't be a Tim Ferriss. And so if you remove that limiting belief and the best way to obviously do that is what we mentioned is to interview other people on your podcast. So you're not the expert. So just interview someone else who is the expert. And that's what you did. That's what a lot of successful podcasters do. And it's not about just identifying it and just saying, all right, I figured it out. All right, Theo, remove the limiting belief. It's not that easy. You have to actually do something to overcome that. In this case, if you've got imposter syndrome, then is your limiting belief, then the way to overcome that is to actually go out there and interview people instead. Not going to be easy, but that's essentially what you need to do if you truly want to grow a podcast and get over that issue that you have. Another example that he gave as well, I'm thinking of right now, this is another thing I wanted to talk about from his podcast is it's about goal settings. So when he took inventory on his goals, he realized that a goal that he had set was actually holding him back from scaling his business. So the example is his goal for the year or whatever was stability for his family. So Mm -hmm. financial stability. So by focusing on financial stability, he was missing opportunities that would allow him to move his business forward. And it kind of blinded him to other opportunities that would maybe not as stable, maybe a little bit more risky. He didn't give any specific examples of this because we were at the end of the podcast. But I thought that was interesting because a lot of people talk about their goal being financial and independence, financial stability. But what happens after that? Or is that something that's potentially holding you back from achieving financial independence by focusing on just being stable and just hitting this one number? Grant Cardone talks about it, 10Xing things. I'm sure Tony Robbins has a similar concept as well. So I thought that was really interesting. And that's why it's important to take inventory on your goals, he said, because if you set your goal for a year and don't look at it ever again, then you're not going to be able to realize if that's actually holding you back. So if you have a goal that's actually holding you back from scaling, then you want to identify that sooner rather than later. So taking inventory on your goals each quarter or each month is better than doing it each year or every five years or I guess never doing it at all because you really don't know if something's working unless you are taking the time to think about it. And it could just take an hour every quarter just to evaluate. All right. So my goal is stability. What have I been doing to get stability? And is there anything else that I've missed any opportunity costs from this particular goal? That's exactly right. That's all I was going to mention. You just stole the words out of my mouth. It's identifying what are the opportunity costs as a result of me focusing efforts on this, because there's always opportunity costs. You decide you want to go to the grocery store. Well, there's an opportunity cost of what you could be spending your time while you go to the grocery store. You decide you want to get it delivered instead. Well, there's an opportunity cost because maybe that's not quite as healthy as buying food from the grocery store. Anything we do in life, any action we take, there's an action that we could have taken in its place and that could send us on a different trajectory. So just being aware of that. Personally, I go over my goals. I have, I call them, they're actually to the left of me and on my vision board in front of me. I call them categories of improvement. Mm -hmm. And I do that. Let's see, I created my list for this year on December the 28th, 2018. So, you know, right before the new year. And then I do a check-in around July. And I've already done that for this year. I've done that the last two years. So I have categories of improvement. So I've got personal, so body, diet, relationship, personal development, fun, and then I've got professional. So that's revenue, 
goals and launching our book that we're writing together, giving away a certain amount of money to nonprofits every year, that sort of stuff. And just check in on the quantifiable progress of them in the July time period, six months after, and see what, if anything, should I revise or maybe consolidate. Maybe there's a lead domino. I know that if we perform on our current portfolio and we really focus on that, then everything else will be taken care of because I'll have more time to do other things because our business is doing so well. So it's also identifying what is the lead domino, what has implications on everything else. Yeah, it's interesting about all that list. A lot of those things don't seem like they're necessarily directly related to your real estate investing business, but it all is. I mean, even for example, you said nutrition. Like if you don't eat healthy or you're not eating enough, then you're not going to have the energy or the focus to actually work on your business. Same with working out, not got the energy, sleeping, whatever, personal life. You've got issues. I can remember I was interviewing someone and they mentioned something on the lines of like one of the main reasons people fail in business is because if you got some like personal issue going on, the main reason they're underperforming at work is because of some issue going on at home. So that's another perfect example of why you need to have relationship goals, personal goals as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't subscribe to the philosophy of how you do one thing is how you do everything because there are certain things I just don't care about. So I slack off on certain stuff and I put my focus on other things. So I don't subscribe to that, but I do subscribe to how most things are connected. And it's more about being intentional about your approach because I think you can slack off in certain things. For example, I used to be more competitive in sports and softball, for example. Where softball team's terrible, as you know. You played on, <laughs> on our team a couple of years. And I used to be really competitive there, but now I realize it's more about just getting out there and having fun and enjoying the process. And perhaps that's everything, but I don't slack off, but I have a different mindset. Whereas I want to enjoy the process in all aspects of life, but I'm much more competitive with business and other things because it's not just about enjoying the process. It's also about making sure that you achieve the desired results. So I think uh, all the things are certainly connected, but it's also being conscious and intentional about what you choose to focus on. And as long as you have that consciousness, then I think you're good. It's mm -hmm. just when you go on autopilot and subconsciously there's areas that are blind spots for you, that's where you can get into trouble. That's where you get into people who try to, that Jim Rome talks about this. I've been listening to him a lot recently. He talks about how people try to clean up an organization when they still haven't even cleaned up their own garage at home. Like, how do you clean up an organization if you're at home, you're not organized? Same type of thing. Mm -hmm, exactly. All right, so those are the lessons that I learned from the interviews last week. Of course, many more lessons, so make sure you check out those interviews coming out in, I think, around the October timeframe. All right, so this is the last week of the international trivia questions. Last week, we had Jason on the podcast, and I asked him, the trivia question, which is what country has the highest homeownership rate? And I think he said Croatia, because I specified it to Eastern Europe. And the answer was actually Romania, 96.4%. So that's an, by far the highest home ownership rate out of any country in the world. This week's question is what country is home to the most expensive house in the entire world? And I promise you, just to give you a hint, when I say the answer, you're going to be like, oh, of course. <laughs> okay. What country, most expensive house in the entire world? I'll go with 
Switzerland. Switzerland. So if you want to answer the trivia question, either submit it in the comments of the YouTube video below or email it to info at joefairless.com. First person to answer it correctly will receive a copy of the first book. And then lastly, we're going to discuss the free apartment syndication resource of the week. As you guys and girls know, we do syndication school each week. That's Wednesday and Thursday where we go over the how-tos of apartment syndication. And for each of those series, we give away at least one free document, spreadsheet, template, something that accompanies the episode that will help you scale your apartment syndication business. This week's highlighted document is from series number seven. We're actually in series 20 right now. And it is on the power of the apartment syndication brand. Those episodes, I believe, is a six-part series. Those episodes start at 1535. And it's actually like three or four free documents for that series. We talked about the one last week, the branding resources. This week is the company presentation templates. So once you are starting out your company, building your team, you're going to want to have a presentation that you can use that tells people not only about your team, but about your business plan. And this can be used when you're having conversations with investors, with team members, with business partners. So make sure you check that out. You can download that for free either at syndicationschool.com or in the show notes of this episode. Awesome. Well, thanks everyone. I hope you enjoyed our conversation and most importantly got value from it. And we'll talk to you tomorrow. If you own a rental property, TransUnion Smart Move can help you identify the right renter from the start so you can avoid the problems of non-payment or evictions. Don't put yourself at risk. Go to tenantscreening.com, create a free account, enter the code FAIRLESS at checkout for 25% off your next screening. With TransUnion Smart Move, you'll get great reports, great convenience, great tenants. Feeling lost on your roadmap to wealth? Tune in to the newly launched REI Foundation podcast where hosts Jason and Peely give you all the steps and missteps towards achieving your investing dreams. Featuring interviews from top industry professionals, make sure you listen and subscribe to REI Foundation podcast at com.